Coming in hot, 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 Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Coming in hot, 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 Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Hey, 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 welcome to this episode of I Date Money. I'm your hostess, Lisa Drennan, which you probably already knew that, right? Because, you know, I come on here all the time. <laughs> I have the awesome privilege of hanging out with Courtney Badger. She is a wander, the, I shouldn't say a, she is the wandering manifester. She helps women get visible so they can get paid. And who doesn't want money flowing? It's just like raining from the sky. Thank you so much, Courtney, for being here. Excited to hear your money story and all the things. And this wandering yeah. manifester. I'm I'm curious. Why that name? I am a huge traveler and freedom is like my biggest value in my life and when I was coming up with like what do I want to name my brand it just felt I was into manifestation I was into travel I was into freedom and it just kind of felt like it was like a beautiful intersection of all of those oh I love that you know and when I hear the word manifester I immediately think of all the woo-woo and people just believing that oh I'm just going to think this thought and it's going to appear <laughs> can you share more on that um that can be true when you have unshakable faith behind what you're believing and thinking. Mm -hmm. So I have had that experience with travel. I literally was with a friend and I was like, man, I really want to go to Greece. And the very next day flights for Greece popped up for $450 and wow. we booked flights and went to Greece the next week. But I am so strong in my ability to manifest travel and have unshakable belief that I really can just like vocalize it and it will appear. But the mm -hmm. problem is you're trying to vocalize things to appear that you don't believe could actually appear for you or that you're trying to make appear so they can solve a problem or change your life. And so it needs to be something that you're very not attached to, but believe could show up at any time. Oh, that's a great perspective. I haven't heard that one. And I, I really like that way of thinking because so many people just will hone in on that one piece. And when it comes to manifesting money, we hear all about it. We align with the moon and we do all of these things. And for some people, money comes in unexpected ways, but they completely ignore it. What's your personal experience with that? I mean, there's so many random ways money can and has shown up for me. And it's been a process of learning to be excited for that to celebrate that I mean a random check came in the mail for me for four dollars and 53 cents and you can say four dollars like what is that going to buy me or you can say wow like miracles can happen checks can come in the mail 
And it just, it's a decision to, we get to decide how we look at everything that happens in our life, good, bad, or neutral. And so we live most of our life in bad or neutral. And when you're living in neutrality or in the bad, nothing gets to feel joyful and exciting. And so what would happen if you felt joyful and excited about $4? Mm-hmm. And well, that's what I'm all about. <laughs> Money and I have been partners forever. And when I get a penny, I get excited and do a happy dance. I think it's the best day. Um, because it doesn't matter the value of it. It's the it's the idea that money is energy and it's in your path and you get to connect with it. You get to partner with it. And, you know, you can do so many good things with any amounts of money. And I, I too got a check for $5 and some change once and I didn't expect it. It was a nice surprise. And I bragged all over town about it. It's just like, woohoo. And people are like, it was only $5. I'm like, only? That's an extra $5 I have. Or even when you go to the store and you get an unexpected discount, I remember shopping at Penny's and she's like, oh, do you want to do the scratch off? It'll give you a percentage off. I'm like, mm, sure, why not? It was 25% off. It's like, that's awesome. I just saved 25%. Woohoo, I get to you know do my happy dance. So when you were younger, um, when you first met money, share that experience with us. What was it like? Uh, my parents were in high school when they had me, so there was not a lot of it. Um, my mom came from a family of nine kids, and so my grandparents didn't have a lot of money to give to my parents, and my dad had moved out of his mom's house at 16. So there just wasn't a lot of money at my house. I grew up in a house where all of my needs were met, and honestly beyond. I got to go on vacation as a kid. I skied as a kid, um, but... My mom made me believe that any day we could run out of money. We were super poor and it was so selfish if I ever asked for anything I desired or even if it was like a need, but it was a need like beyond what my, like, well, yeah, I needed shoes, but I didn't need fancy shoes. Mm -hmm. And so there was just a lot of guilt in my house around money and I would hide things or I would lie, but I was really good at making money as a kid. I remember my brother and I were little and we got one of those catalogs in the mail. You remember those catalogs you would get and you could go sell useless stuff that was overpriced to get things you never needed as a kid. And my brother and I somehow convinced enough people to buy from us for us to like get enough points to get a pogo stick. And there was another time where we sold um, Easter eggs on the corner, but we made people give us back the plastic Easter eggs so we could keep selling and just put more chocolate in. Um, I was always the top Girl Scout cookie salesman in the city. Like, so I had a, like a belief that money could come to me, but in my house, like it just was sticky. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love that you were the top salesperson for Girl Scout cookies because you know, those are hard to sell and you have all that competition and knowing like, you know, just putting yourself out there. So what was your secret to get a, getting to all these sales? I was cute and my grandma lit, my grandma worked in a six-story building. So yeah. um, my grandma and I would go from floor to floor and I would sell to everyone and then she would keep my sheet in the break room. And so, and it was like mostly older people that worked in the building. So it wasn't people with kids. It was like mostly people with grandkids. And so perfect combination. Yep. <laughs> perfect combination. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. So when you think about your money, you're, you know, you have your business expenses, you have your personal expenses. Um, how do you treat them? Like if money was a person, how do you treat it? I mean, it's been very up and down in the beginning. It was terrible. It was like, I was resentful and angry and frustrated. And 
now it's been this shift of just like being thankful for my expenses. Like without my mortgage, I wouldn't have my beautiful house that I live in. Without my internet bill, I wouldn't be having this conversation with you. Without, you know, my dog's dog food bill, I wouldn't have my dog. And so it's just really learning to say like, this bill actually enables me to have an amazing experience. And I get to be grateful for the experience. And it's like when you're so frustrated at the bill, um, like frustrated maybe in the winter that you have a really big electric bill. Well, Mm -hmm. If you didn't have that bill, you probably wouldn't have heat in your house and that would be miserable. And so just learning to be thankful that I have air conditioning and heat and the ability to have food in my fridge. And it's just helped really shifting to be thankful for bills instead of being angry and resentful and frustrated about them. Yeah, I love that perspective because so many people, you know, they see monthly bills as this, this chore. They dread it. It's like, oh, I got to pay my monthly bills again. Or like I have to, you know, pay the expenses or they worry and fret that they don't have enough to cover their operating expenses in their business. So having that attitude of gratitude and like, yeah, I get to do this because it provides this beautiful, you know, service for me or I get this beautiful product in exchange. So when you think about your your business expenses and being a traveler and all of that, do you um, have a great, great balance? Like how do you manage your business expenses to cover your travel and carry that over to your personal life? I have just allowed myself to get grateful for my business expenses. Again, in the beginning, they felt frustrating. They felt daunting, but it was like, I can make my business expenses go away if I want to go back to a corporate job. Like mm-hmm. these are not expenses I'm required to have in my life. Some of my other expenses, you are required. I mean, you need a place to live. And sometimes you can't control what the cost of that is with, you know, market fluctuations and stuff like that. But your business is something that you can control. And most of your expenses are things you can choose or control. You can choose what platform you want to host your courses on. You can choose where you want to market. You can choose if you want to run ads or learn to do things organically. And so, like, I feel like my business expenses are the things that I have the most control over. Um... And when I hire a coach, like I get to be grateful that the support I'm getting. And even if it didn't work out, I get to be grateful about the lesson. Like if I didn't get what I hoped or thought, Mm -hmm. like I really shifted instead of saying I invested in a coach and they didn't give me what I needed to, I'm investing in my vision, my brand, my dream and my desires, no matter if an investment works out or pays off. Like all I can do is make a decision for my current knowledge level and I'm investing in my dream and my life. That's beautiful. I love that. So are you a solopreneur or are you, um, do you have a team? I am a solopreneur right now. I want to hire a VA pretty soon. I am lucky. I have 17 years corporate HR experience. So mm-hmm. hiring is a pretty easy, will be easy for me in a sense. I mean, there is some fear and like, oh my gosh, I have to stay consistent to pay this person. And Mm -hmm. that can be like something, and I want to feel really good about bringing someone on and feel so good and excited to pay them and allow them to support me. So I'm working on SOPs right now and I'm working on like daily task lists. And I know the most important thing to do when you bring someone on is know exactly what they're going to be doing and having training set up for them. So I'm doing all that behind the scenes. Oh, I love that. So as a solopreneur, did you decide to um, get an LLC going or are you waiting to do that? 
Yeah, I got an LLC going right away. What what helped you make that decision? Um, I it wasn't even a decision. It was just like, okay, I'm starting a business. It needs to be a separate entity from me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to have some separation from me right away. Um, and in my mind, like having that created some physical separation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you allow for tax purposes, do you default to self-employment or did you um, opt in to do an S corporation? Right now I've been doing self-employment, but I'm about to opt in this year with my um, accountant to an S corporation. Yeah, that's beautiful. What helped you make that decision? I was making enough money for it to make sense. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people get into LLCs and they're not quite sure about the tax structure and when's the best time to do it like versus the self-employment DBA. So it's so important to do it the right time. And they change the rules all the time. You know, back in the in in early uh, 2020, when I looked into doing an LLC, they're like, well, you're not a brick and mortar. You don't really need it. And I'm like, okay. And now it's like, oh, well, you know, you should have it once you hit a hundred thousand and then you can default to self-employment if you're under a hundred thousand and you still want to do the LLC to protect you from, you know, to protect your assets. And then, you know, once you hit a hundred thousand switch to an S corp or, you know, as you grow, as you add your teammates and depending on your vision for your business determines whether or not you should go to a C corp. So there's so many different intricacies and knowing the right time to do that is so important. When you think about transferring over to an S corp. Now, the first thing they tell you is to draw a salary. How do you feel about that? Um, I mean, it feels good to know, like, okay, this is the consistent amount of money that I'm going to be paying myself every month and make sure it's like an amount that feels good and feels abundant. And I mean, also, though, there's a lot of my expenses that are business expenses that I was paying out of my salary when I had a job before. So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, I'm going to pull out a salary and that will pay things like my mortgage and, you know, some of my utility bills and then things that I enjoy doing. But my business just pays for a lot of my expenses because your life and your business become very kind of enmeshed. Right. And for tax purposes, they don't like that, (laughs) you know, and uh, as a wealth activator and a profit first professional, we always, you know, emphasize money. Your business expenses are separate from your personal and, you know, managing it in a way so that you do take your compensation where you can survive, where you can meet your needs and your desires. So many entrepreneurs believe that there's no profit, especially in the first few years of, of being a business owner. Did you experience that when you first started up? Yeah, it was challenging for sure. And I kept my nine to five for a long time. And it was very much helping support and prop up my business. So there was this level of like, okay, like, let's just keep going. Let's keep chugging along. Um, and I definitely in the beginning had my business expenses be much higher than they should have been, like mm-hmm. hiring coaches that I shouldn't have hired, getting support that <clears throat> just wasn't ready for based on the level of business that I was at. So it was a lot of learning, but I'm also appreciative of what I learned. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned that because a lot of people will hire coaches thinking that this is exactly what I need. I need to invest in this to get to the next level. Mm-hmm. And it's not what they need. They just need to like go back to beginner mindset and say, okay, 
What can I do differently with the tools that I currently have? And when I work with clients, I see that a lot. I see their operating expenses getting overinflated, especially with self-improvement coaching programs, because they know that there's a need, but they can't figure it out. And because the things that they were doing weren't working, instead of tweaking that system and going back, they're like, well, I've already done that. Well, no, you may have missed something. You know, a lot of times we need to see things three or four times before we can actually say, oh, I get it. And I like visuals for that matter. Like, you know, when I show someone they're uh, doing an assessment, a wealth analysis of their business, and they look at it and they're like, oh, I knew I spent that much money on coaching programs, but I didn't realize it was that much. Because having the number in your head and visually seeing it in a graph format or, you know, even a number on a piece of paper with that title, it's like, where did all my money go? <laughs> like, that's where it went. Oh, and then, as you said, I shouldn't have hired that person at this time, you know, and knowing when to hire, knowing when to transition, knowing, you know, like you're waiting to hire a VA, like, you know, exactly how to do the hiring process and when's the optimal time based on what you're doing in your business and your growth and, you know, how much time is taken away and time is money. And a lot of times we don't see that, you know, everybody thinks that, oh, if you have a corporate job working nine to five, you're trading time for money. But it happens with entrepreneurs all the time. We trade time for money all the time when we do task, when we, you know, source out when we're not ready. So I love that you shared that. Thank you for being honest in your first struggles. So how long did it take you to realize a profit in your business? Um, so I had one actually right away, pretty much. But then it was <coughs> hiring coaches that took my profit away. So I immediately, like my first year, didn't really have any, I was in my coaching certification program, but other than that, I wasn't in anything else and I was making a profit. And then that's when I joined a mastermind, which was like the wrong decision because that really put my nervous system into like fight or flight and freak out. And I just like, didn't break that. So it was like first year I had a profit and then second year I let my profit get eaten up. Um, so <clears throat> it took until about my third year until like I saw it starting to get consistent. And then this year it's like starting to grow. Mm -hmm. I love that. So when you think about your business expenses and taking a, a paycheck, uh, transferring over to your personal expenses, what do you have like a system in place to help you manage your personal money? Um, a little bit. It's probably not the best system. I mean, my accountant's always like, Courtney, what are you doing? Um, but yeah, I mean, I have like a budget and the way, like something that worked really well for me. And I know this wouldn't work really well for everyone is, um, I pull cash out every week. Mm -hmm. So I transfer it over to my personal and then I give myself so much cash and like, that's how much cash I have for the week. Um, and that's just been like a really good way for me to see money, appreciate money and like have more reverence for when I hand someone a dollar bill versus just swipe my card. Um, and that's just been a system that works well for me and that I really enjoy. And of course I use my card for Amazon and different things, but um, my personal system for a long time has been pulling cash out. Yeah. They used to say cash was king. <laughs> Nowadays, it's not so much. Everyone swipes and, you know, it seems like leasing and all of that is an option that they try to pursue versus paying in cash. Um, but it definitely is a personal choice. And having that attitude of, no, I want to pay for this in full. So what's your stance on debt? Um, I mean, I have credit card debt from starting my business and 
I, for a long time, had a sh- lot of shame around it. We always had credit card debt in my house growing up, and my parents would talk about it. And it would just create a lot of frustration. And now it's like, this has been something that's allowed me to leverage what I was creating. And without it, I don't think I would be where I am right now. And it's been something that supported me through when things have been difficult, if they've been difficult. And just having an appreciation that an ability to even have a line of credit exists because it doesn't exist in every place. It doesn't exist in every country. Um, and that it doesn't have to mean anything about me personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like that you shared that because a lot of people think, oh, I have debt. It's a shameful thing. And, you know, talking about finances has been taboo for so long. They don't teach us in school. You know, but having debt isn't necessarily bad. I mean, I carried debt twice in my life, 32,000 when I was in my 20s, had to file bankruptcy. And then, you know, I was debt free forever and did all kinds of beautiful things to save and invest and multiply my money. And then in my 40s, something hit me. And all of a sudden, before I knew it, I had $100,000 worth of debt. I was literally addicted to 0% credit cards and finagling them to meet this need that I had, that I had no idea it had to do with past trauma and working through that, I was able to, you know, overcome it and make different choices. And I had so much money in my assets that I wasn't paying attention to because a lot of us don't pay attention to our, our investments. And we think I don't have monthly income coming in. Therefore I have no money. When in actuality, you got all this money in your assets and resources. And when I realized that, you know, I had, you know, over $2 million to pay off this hundred thousand dollars debt, I was like, wow, I did that. Like, that is so cool. And, uh, but there was a stigma that I carried. I was so ashamed, especially being in the finance and insurance industry since 1987. It's like, how did this happen? Like, how did I do it? And I was ashamed to go ask for help. And I knew I needed help, but I didn't need help with budgeting. I didn't need help with finagling my finances. I needed help with my money mindset. I needed help rewriting my money story. And so many of us tell ourselves stories when it comes to money. What story did you tell yourself? And maybe you still do. Um, I mean, I definitely, like, there's some lack stories that I tell myself, there's not enough, I'll never figure this out, I'll never figure out how to make enough. Um, and can sometimes get focused on the like, oh, I'm not making what I want to be making. I'm not like, once I have my business expenses, I'm not making what I was making at my corporate job. And so it can just be get easy to get wrapped up into that. Um, but I have really been focusing on like other ways I feel abundant and allowing the money I do have to feel abundant. And so it's just a decision. Like, do I want to focus on what I don't have? Because yeah, I could go back to a corporate job and make six figures, but I'm also selling my soul to them. I'm working 50 hours a week. I don't get to be myself. I'm exhausted. I have to, I'm required to enforce rules that I think are terrible and I don't agree with them. Um, And so Yeah, there's, you know, I get to focus on which one and like knowing that I get to create more than what exists right now. And I only got a 2% raise a year at my corporate job. Like Mm -hmm. there was no opportunity to create more at at my job. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I retired from my job and uh, I remember those days of conforming to the rules of the office of the, of the, of the program. And it was just like, what? That's a dumb rule. Like why? 
And uh, I was always one to play with breaks and lunches. Like you had to take your breaks and lunches and you had to do it at a certain time. I'd go late and come back late. <laughs> totally rebellious. It's like, this is ridiculous. I mean, I'm doing so much work as it is. But yeah, it, it, the freedom of being an entrepreneur is so wonderful in that aspect. And uh, I, you know, talked to a lot of ladies on the show and one of the common, um, um, common uh, comments, I guess I'm going to say, is um common belief i'll re re-say that <laughs> it's one of the common beliefs is that when you're an entrepreneur especially coming into entrepreneur transitioning from your nine to five to solopreneur is that you don't realize how much time and energy you need to put into you because you are your business and they don't realize that you know there's marketing and sales and you know executive administrative work and all the things that you need to do to run a business as a solopreneur. What is your one tip that you can give the audience that is transitioning or maybe starting or relaunching to help them understand the why they're doing it and what they could do more efficiently as they're making that journey through their solopreneurship to making a team or what have you? I would say, ask yourself, do you just love the craft of what you do? Or do you actually desire and want to and love running a business? Because loving coaching and loving owning a business are so different. Coaching is part of your business, but it's not your business. And so, so many people say, well, I'm just really good at this. And this is my hobby. But they don't get that it's an actual business with a whole business to run. You don't just get to show up and coach. And for so long, I was like, well, if I could just coach and it's like, well, I could, I could get a coaching job. And so like, if you are really sold on only wanting to do that thing, it's totally possible, but you're probably gonna have to work for someone else. And so what would it be like to actually like, look at the whole business as a whole and fall in love with being a business owner, not being a coach. The biggest thing I, I was looking at someone's sales page and I noticed everyone who said, they said six figure coach, six figure coach. And then everyone who had a seven figure business said seven figure CEO, seven figure entrepreneur. And it's like, you need to learn to drop your coach identity or whatever you are, because you're not just a coach, you're an entrepreneur, a CEO or a business owner. Mm -hmm. I love that. Thank you so much. So tell us about your program, share your elevator pitch with us. Yeah, so I realized growing up that my superpower I created in order to keep myself safe was to keep myself invisible. And then you start, a, which a lot of people do, if you have trauma, or if you were bullied or anything, like we hide and make ourselves not be seen. And then you start an online business where you want to be seen and you're like, but nobody sees me. And so I realized having learning how to get safe in creating visibility and being yourself and sharing your beliefs and sharing your thoughts is your way to get paid. And you have to be willing to be yourself to attract your dream clients. Otherwise, you're attracting clients that you don't like and don't like you because you're being whoever they need you to be so you can make money that doesn't feel good making, which is just another version of a nine to five. And so if you can feel really safe and getting visible, then people see you and want to pay you. Mm hmm. Yeah, I like that. So do you work one-to-one -one or in groups? Both. I have um, anywhere from master classes to group coaching programs 
to I do human design readings and then I have one on one clients. Mm, beautiful. I love that. And what's the best yeah. way for the audience to connect with you? We'll include this in the show notes. Yeah. So I have an Instagram. I'm not super active over there, but you can always follow me and um, on Instagram at the Wandering Manifester. I'm most active on my Facebook group or on my Facebook page, which is just find me Courtney Badger and I'll put the link and you can just follow me on Facebook. Um, and then I've also started to dabble in TikTok a little bit. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. And um, I always ask my audience or my guests rather to share with my audience one tip that they can do to get a micro result in their business. What's your tip? Uh, really ask yourself, why do I not want to be visible and journal on that and really be willing to heal that because whatever reason comes up for you first is going to be the reason that you're hiding yourself. And most of the women that I work with, it's due to their body and their weight. And so what would it be like if you accepted and loved yourself right now, which I know is like not just an easy thing to do, but as long as you feel like you need to hide part of yourself, you will always hide yourself online. I love that. Thank you so much, Courtney, for being here and sharing your journey and your money story. And for those who are listening, check the show notes, connect with Courtney um, and think about being visible, right? You can manifest anything you want, um, but you have to put yourself out there. And remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's what you do with it. Thanks for tuning into the show. Give us a five-star review and share it with your friends. Get ready to activate wealth. Be the next millionaire with a simple adjustment of your finances using an energetically aligned money multiplier system. You get to build wealth by partnering with money. It's time to have fun with finances. Pick a date. The link is in the show notes to book your wealth activation call where you will get the one solution to multiply your money. Remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make, it's what you do with it.